Welcome to the All Hoops Podcast. I'm Stephen Inman, and I'm thrilled to be joined by the great Chris Burrito. Chris and I will discuss the first two episodes of the Michael Jordan documentary being released, as well as more fallout of the NBA beginning to fight with the NCAA over the next wave of talent. Before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, how's your quarantine doing? How are you doing? I'm doing great, buddy. Um, Inspired as ever after watching the first two episodes of the Last Dance documentary last night. Uh, but we'll get into that in a second. I want into I want to introduce a friend of ours, fantasy basketball rival and all hoops special contributor, Justin Michael Jerome Carissimo. First off, tell us how you're doing with your quarantine and your thoughts on the doc so far. I'm good, man. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me on. Uh, I love the doc so so far. It's awesome. Uh, the first two episodes are great. Love Pippin's story and about how uh, you know. He's kind of get screwed by the Bulls with that contract. It's got to be one of the worst contracts ever. But um, it's great. I was kind of hoping for a little more behind the scenes stuff. Maybe that's maybe that's coming up soon. But um, yeah, looks good so far. It's living up to the hype. I think one of the main things for me has been like not only Pippen's contract, but like just how you know how how much of a competitor Michael Jordan was. Like we. We, we hear about it, but, you know, we didn't really grow up watching Michael Jordan like we've seen, like Kobe, LeBron, and those guys. And so seeing Michael Jordan up so close, being such a fierce competitor, kind of like makes us realize, wow, this is where it all began, right? And he is the best player of all time or considered to be one of the best players of all time for a reason. And I feel like we got to see that. See, what, what are some of your takeaways from the doc last night for me it was how insane the salary structure was back then i mean the nba has been around for a very very long time but in the mid 80s early 90s even late 90s they didn't have any of this figured out it's kind of insane to me i mean the idea of you know when scotty pippen was signing this contract the salary cap in 1991 was 11.9 million and we were talking about before the show that's what like Taj Gibson's play team option is. <laughs> it's like that was what you paid the entire roster. And then by the time it was time for uh, for him to get paid again, the salary was on the salary cap was under twenty seven million dollars. So it really it, it's gone up from twenty seven million to about one hundred and ten in you know twenty years. It's really insane what has changed in the NBA in this last few years. Yeah, and I think one thing to also consider too, right? Like, and then on the flip side, you have Scotty, who in, in nineteen ninety one, you know, basically signed that 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 contract for the next seven years of his life, really the prime years of his of his career with the Bulls, and he earned only eighteen million dollars. Can you believe that? Eighteen million dollars for one of the best players of all time. I mean, at at the time of the when the contract was ending, he was the 122nd highest paid player in the NBA. Today's highest, pay, 122nd highest paid player, Andre Roberson. So it just goes <laughs> to show what was going on. It's it's a crazy situation. So, Justin, what what's your take on that? Do you think, you know, obviously we know about his humble beginnings. Do you think what should he have done? I mean, should he have been patient or should you know, bet on, bet on himself a little bit more, 
Like he basically went against the advice of his agents and apparently, you know, the Bulls owner too. So it's kind of tough to be in his spot. And everything is hindsight 2020, 30 years later. Yeah, I mean, I always want to see a player get their bag. So, I mean, I can't really fault him for wanting more money. I guess he didn't go about it the right way. Um, as far as, you know, <laughs> spending his summer instead of getting, getting, the, uh, getting the surgery. But, um, yeah, he, uh, he deserves his money. He was, what, like top five in the NBA at the time. Maybe, maybe I mean, some would say top two. He, des- he deserved that money for sure. And, like, the other thing that I'm not sure if they're going to explore this in the other episodes yet. We didn't have exclusive access to that yet. Um, but Pippen was essentially leading the Bulls when Michael Jordan retired the first time. You know, you know the Bulls still made the playoffs. You know, Pippen was practically leading them in all statistical categories. And yet that doesn't really get talked about that much. Um, so it's a shame that he didn't get his money. And it's even worse from, like, we were seeing in the doc, like, how that was presented to us. Like, he eventually demanded a trade, and he was rehabbing his foot. Like, it, it should have gone it, – it, he ended up not getting traded, obviously, because we know. But it's still crazy to think that, like, Pippen wanted to be off this team that, that eventually won its sixth championship. Yeah, I mean, the other crazy part was who he was feuding with, Jerry Krause. And Jerry Krause has become a very controversial figure today in on Twitter and all over, even with us. And, you know, I thought they were kind of rough on him when it comes to the fact that, you know, he's a, he's deceased and he can't really defend himself at this point. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, him coming out to the media and basically saying, you know, this is Phil Jackson's last year. And him telling Phil Jackson, who has won, you know, five championships in seven years, I don't care if you go 82 and 0, you're not coming back next year. I mean, imagine if Bill Belichick told that to Tom Brady, hey, if you go 19 and 0 this year, you're not back. You know, it's it's insane. You would never see anything like this, like in today's game. But it's but it's funny you bring that up because the dynamic today is so much more different. The players have so, so much different. control. And like LeBron, let's be honest here, he practically runs the team. I mean, he he ran the Cavaliers team. Like, and imagine that scenario in the 90s. It's just like unfathomable. So now you have Pippen, Jordan, and even Phil Jackson in a way, like bowing down to the executives in the front office. Um, but yeah. Jerry Jerry Krause, like I, I spent like m- most of my evening, like not sure if I should feel bad for him or really hating him for like disbanding what was like one of the best teams of all time. That- I, I don't understand the idea that they won, you know, what five out of seven years, and his first thought is, "How do we start this rebuild?" Like, why is that your first thought? It seems crazy to me, guys. But like, not only that, it's like not being appreciative of what you have. And, like, like, yes, he drafted and traded for basically that entire team other than Michael. But at the same time, you know, it's, you're not the one shooting. You're not the one, you know, lacing them up. You're not playing with injuries. Like, you're an executive. You, you will get your due credit for what you did. He made a huge trade in trading up for Scottie Pippen. But this idea of him thinking he deserves the credit that Michael Jordan gets, that's never going to happen. 
Yeah. You got to you got to ride it out. You can't you can't throw it in early with like players like that. I mean, you win that many championships, you got just got to ride it out until you know that they're not uh, going to win anymore. Like the closest comparison I can think of is the Warriors saying, "Hey, like guys are hurt, let's start trading off Clay and Steph." Like you would never see that, you know, a year out of five straight finals appearances. It get, it seems weird to just give up. It, it it makes no sense to me because you you could have probably gotten two more years out of Michael and Scotty and Phil Jackson. And who knows, it could have been the first five P since Bill Russell and the Celtics. Um and even better, it would have set us up for uh a Bulls Lakers finals too, because oh actually who knows, right? Like who knows if Phil Jackson goes to that team and you know the whole basketball history could have changed there too. Maybe Kobe requests a trade if there's no Phil there. Who knows? Right. I mean, there's so many scenarios that play out. Um, but overall, I thought the doc was so far so good. And I think um, I, I hope they get to cover the bad boys and the Knicks. Um, obviously, for personal reasons, because we both love the Knicks. Justin hates the Knicks, but it's okay. Um, and I don't, then, don't hate the Knicks. the Knicks. What are they going to show with the Knicks? Well, the, the Knicks the, got beat up both team every year. What do, what do you want to see? Well, believe it or not, like they, they still presented a challenge to his airness. Sure. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah, I know. They'll, they'll <laughs> give him a good, they'll give the Knicks a good like 15 minutes of the next doc, in the next episode. <laughs> and so far, we just got Ewing getting dunked on minute three. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on the doc, guys? What, uh, what, I, I, what what do you want to see for the next episodes? I need more of those uh, vicious Jordan moments, those cold-blooded moments, uh, the ones where, you know, he won't hug his teammates after winning the French tournament. Um, <laughs> the, the, those are the best uh, moments in the doc for me, even though that Jordan said, like, people are going to hate him after seeing this. I, got, I mean, that's why I love him. That's why I love Kobe. Because it's, it's winning a championship. It's not winning, you know, some exhibition games. Um, but yeah, work, work, working out his one, his injured calf, going back to the Bulls and them asking, like, why is that one stronger than the other? When he knew he should have been playing. But yeah, we need, we need more moments like that. I definitely want to hear the resolution to what was going on with Scottie Pippen. I mean, it seems like it was just getting good about he's requesting this trade. Are they going to even get a chance to go for this for this second consecutive three-peat? You know, and then all of a sudden, it ends. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens there and what goes on. But uh, plenty more to get to there. Let's get to the uh, NBA's arm race with NCAA. Jalen Green, we already talked about this. A top two college prospect next year is not going to go to college. He's going to play for the new South Car- uh, Southern California G League team. How much will this impact the NCAA's business practices going forward? Uh, well, I well personally, I feel like the the people who follow college sports will continue to follow college sports regardless of what prospects you get in, right? Like if if you know our buddy Kieran, for example, he will follow St. John's and every other college team that he wants to see just because he loves college sports. He loves that sort of dynamic with the players. Um, I think NBA fans like us three 
I think we're going to feel a little less inclined to watch because, you know, most of the prospects that we're interested in are going to be in the G League, in that G League development team, whatever it's called. Um, and so I think the biggest benefactor of here isn't so much the NBA per se, but the NBA's G League, right? Like, I feel like the next move here is for them to get televised games on ESPN or ESPN2. Like, you know, I can't remember or can't think of any G League games ever on ESPN. And I think it'll be great for everyone to see. Yeah. I, th- I, I, think it, I think it hurts the NCAA's pride a little bit. I mean, it's not like a huge blow to them. But if it keeps happening, you know, they're going to have to make some changes. Whether it's big changes, whether it's letting players profit off their likeness. I mean, they're, they're not dumb. They're, they might not pay the players all at once. But they're going to have to make some changes to, you know, keep top recruits coming. Because why would I go to school, risk myself getting hurt when I could get paid today? Like, players are trying to get their bag. So, and again, know. like, this G League system is also going to give guys a full ride to go to college whenever they decide that's what they want to do. So there's really very little downside other than missing out on that actual college experience, you know, as an 18-year-old star on the team. Um, I really think this is going to continue. I think the NCAA is going to have to adjust because it's not just this. They're also having states like Florida and California saying we're going to allow players to benefit off their likeness. And yeah. if if the players are fighting it, the states are fighting it, you know, the NCAA is going to have to give in. They're going gonna to have to. They've had 100 years to make this right, and now the other parties at hand are forcing their hand. And it's about time someone puts them in their place. Like, how is it for years that, the NCAA, like, and the adults that are part of it, right, can get away with, you know, basically telling, luring kids to come in, oh, here, you know, we'll give you this and this, but the ones who get penalized are often the kids and their families, right? And, like, oh, then, you know, their their um, availability to play or their eligibility to play, like, in, in the, in for example, James Wiseman, right? Like, he he was probably looking out for his family's best interests, but he, and he probably took some money. He ended up taking some money and then he got suspended. So now there's a superstar prospect like him. What's the benefit, what's the benefit for him staying in the, in the college system? You know, and- I always think back to that, uh, Shabazz Napier interview saying yeah. he was going to bed hungry. Cause it's like, you know, it's not even just about like the biggest stars, who aren't getting paid like just think about how many people are just busting their ass every day whether they're doing homework or pretending to do it yeah. like kids going to bed hungry not being able to help their families but you know the ncaa is just racking up billions so right and like it's it's good to see you know and it's something might force the ncaa's hand and as you said a lot of conversation goes about like the top players on the team but like what about you know you know six through 12 right like what about those guys those guys probably have to like figure out another way outside of scholarship money that they don't get to 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 pay for the daily necessities yeah well said there let's look at it from the nba's point of view real quick you know they're paying jalen green about 500k they've already said they're going to pay other guys 125k or more can this be a sustainable business plan for the nba like how do they make a profit off of this I'll watch that. I'll watch that on ESPN too. 
Yeah, it just do. It, is that it all, is the TV money enough? Yes. I mean, why? Why is the the NBA is very okay with as outside of it being a the safety factor? I think the NBA is very okay with with having games again without fans. So I think the same concept applies here. Like they just want to televise, be able to televise games on ESPN or wherever it is. Like it's a product people are going to watch. I'll go to it too. I'll, right. I'll buy some. Yeah. Gear. I'll buy G League tickets. Like let's go. I was talking to Steve about that. Like, that's like the next frontier for like basketball heads, you know, you know. So I think it's worth even going to Westchester and watching a game there too. Yeah, if they can get three of these top ten college kids on a team, to me, that's more interesting than watching any one regular season college game. And again, the NCAA is not going to fold. They're not going to like you know March Madness is going to still be must watch TV, but at the same time. They're going to get some competition, and they really haven't had any competition at this level ever. So it's really going to be interesting to see how this plays out because I'm I'm hoping this is a, this is a success, and other guys in the future do this, and we can you know get some competition for the NCAA. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to move on to a subject that's near and dear to our hearts. It's talking about the Knicks and Nets. Um, just for everyone to everyone who's listening, you know, us three, we go back and forth about the Knicks. Justin hates the Knicks. Uh, I'm, I, I am indifferent about the Nets. Steve hates the Nets. So that's a profile of us. I don't um, hate- I, 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 for the record, I don't hate the Knicks and Breezy, you kind of like the Nets. Yeah, that's really you're, what it you've, is. You're kind of being swayed a little bit. I've definitely been looking forward to this because we've had a lot of discussions, the three of us, about what the Knicks should be doing, what they can do. And basically, you know, Justin's kind of like, just do anything, just do something different because, like, they suck. And, like, what because, you're doing isn't working. And, because all you guys want to do is have them tank. That's well, not That didn't get you guys lying on it. No, it did and not. It ain't, ain't going to guarantee you a top pick. It does not. But at the same time, how are the Knicks going to get good? They're going to get good by getting star kind of players. You know, they've already shown they can't really develop anybody. So it's going to have to come down to either trading for a star, which they can't really do. They can't sign star because no one wants to come play here. Or they're going to have to draft a star. And the best way to draft a star is to get one at the top of the draft. Right? So, like, that's why I think tanking is the wrong word. It's not tanking. But I would not. I would rather be a twenty-win team than a thirty-five-win team if I'm the Knicks at this moment. Okay, so then I think there's oh, there's a lot of things to preface that with, though, because like it's not so easy as saying I want to be a twenty-win team as opposed to a thirty-win team. You know, you want to put your youngsters out there. You want to put your rookie players to see what you have there, and if that ends up being with ends up being with an L, so be it. Exactly. But like. The goal is never, I feel, to lose games ever. I don't want to lose. I don't want to see no. my team lose. Right. Like this, this argument came from this for full, for full background. We were talking about a Andre Drummond to the Knicks trade for a first-round pick. And my idea was, for one, I don't want to give up any picks for Andre Drummond. I don't think he's that good. You Two, it would stop round I wouldn't do that. No. Because I think Mitchell Robinson has the potential to be an impact center at this level. I think he does. 
Don't and you I, think it will competition be healthy? No, I don't. I think with competition, the best thing for him is to play 30 minutes a game. He's already has competition in Taj Gibson. And they keep giving Gibson most <laughs> of those. That's not minutes. a good sign. That is not a good sign. <laughs> Look, he's about to set the record for field goal percentage in a season. 74%. Which means one of two things. One, it means he's not getting enough minutes. I was just going to say that. <laughs> and two, it means he <laughs> has the potential him. to be something. And, like, I would not want to bring in an expensive center to block him when – He's going to be making $30 million, and they need everything else. So that money should be used for every other position. Right, and so the other thing, he's up for, he's up, he's up for a what, a, a, a new contract next season? and like He's he got a player money. option this summer for third. Option. Yeah. Here's my thing. So that being said. Knicks, if the Knicks not yeah. developing them, what's the next best, next best thing? The next best thing is to find some kid in the draft that they can't screw up. That's so good that he can't screw up. I think I think you sign a player like like Fred Van Vliet, right? Yes. Okay. You, you get you get someone with experience who's young. Throw him some money. That's how you start a winning culture. You get a few free agents. You know whether it's guys. I can't even think of any off the top of my head. Like a Torian Prince or something. Someone who's like proven. Someone who can play ball on both sides. But you don't just tank. You got you got to throw money at some players. You can't just you can't just tank and assume that things right. are going to turn around. It hasn't worked in how many years y'all been doing it? The tanking, we've done the tanking for 2 years. 2 years. And it has not worked, for sure. I will got y'all RJ, Mr. 14 points a game. Well, he's probably the best kid we've drafted in what? Okay. Since that, Porzingis. I like, Porzingis I, we dumped. I, oh my god. And I like and I like <laughs> And I, and I like RJ. It's just like I I don't know I don't know what's going on with uh what, what's a player development Craig Robinson. Oh, we gotta fire him. That's no, that step. I, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand because he's got a good he's got a good pedigree. Like he's got a good resume. It he hasn't got, worked. I, I know that's what I'm, it's it's bizarre. But okay, so you get him out of there. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Obama's friend. That's the Obamas. That's the team Obama right there. Obama's like, I think it's his brother-in-law brother. or something. Yeah. Is it brother? Oh, it might be brother. yeah. brother-in-law. But no, that makes it even worse. That makes it even worse. Yeah, it does. It does <laughs> Seems. It worse. It just no, seems. I love the idea of a Fred Van Vliet, a vet who can show these young guys what to do. But at the same time, it's what Chris said. You got to start playing these young guys. I mean, the idea of let's play Julius Randle forty-two minutes a game and watch him spin into double teams does not really help anyone ever. Like you should be playing Kevin oh, Knox and yeah, seeing the, if, the person if that he's helps is just like, As put Julius at the five. No. Okay. <laughs> They're like, oh, tell us. Tell, tell me. Uh, not, I don't know about Knox, man. You playing Knox at the four? You can't really play the four, the three or four. No. You see, Should the, we position, find out? The, position, the position for Knox is the four, for sure. Because he can't guard anybody to two. He's too he's, slow for any other he's, position. He's, he's, he's too good. slow, yeah. I mean, yeah. I want to find out if he's anything. Like, to Steve, me, like, go ahead. Steve, you should bring up that point. Remember you said the other day that, who was it? Frank Nielakina, Knox, Mitch Robinson, Barrett, and a Those fifth. four. It was those four. Oh, it just was, those four? Those four guys, their four young guys, played an average of 1.4% of their possessions this season. That's, that's a crime. It's now practice. I mean, Frankie, the idea of, Frankie, hey, we're going to lose. Frankie, Go Frankie ahead. Frankie don't count. Frankie don't count. RJ, you want to play him as much as possible. Mitchell Robinson, you want to play him as much as possible. 
But like, if you're a like, 20 win team, don't you want to play all your 20 year old as much as possible? Yes. Not like, why am I playing double. Alfred Payton 37 minutes a game? Don't you know what he is? He's a triple double machine. That's what, that's what he is. A Y'all triple double like top. once a year. He's. I like him as a back. Once a year. Okay, once he had maybe like three times last year. Remember? That was last year. With the Knicks, I think he's had maybe one, maybe one. I think one. But you guys also have like how many fucking point guards this year? You were rotating. What was it? Uh, Dennis Smith. Dennis Smith, Frank, and him. I, I like, got like Dennis Smith should be playing. We should see what he is. We just traded Porzingis for him. Don't you want to see what he is? Instead of saying, hey, <laughs> oh yeah, you got it. You gotta, you gotta try to turn that investment. You gotta try to think, try to turn the investment. Just is there anything there? Yeah. You know what's what? What is the harm in in checking these twenty year olds and just seeing if any of them are good? What if one? What if one out of the six of them are good? Isn't that better than none? Like, why am I playing Taj Gibson and Alfred Payton and you know all these other losers? You know, sorry, no, you're not losers, but like <laughs> the, these old vets. Why am I playing? Why am I playing? Oh, oh, you go. now the game now. Now but Taj, the thing is, Taj is not going to come on the show because you called him a loser. I didn't. I took it back yeah. quickly. But here, <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you if you guys can't develop the players on your own, you need to get some guys in there who have one and who could change the culture. And like you know, if they're not winning more games, it's just like a better experience for those young guys. They can learn from them. They can learn from them. Not even vets. I mean, you could say Fred's a vet. What he's 26. Got a ring. Even if it was like him and I know you don't like DeRozan. No, I hate DeRozan. I, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying like a player exactly. like that. He's I'm not exactly. saying him. He's the keys, the answer. I'm just saying like that. You know. What I don't think Van Vliet can pass the ball, but like DeRozan's he can a pass. Guy. He can shoot. He can drive. He can play but D. I don't think DeRozan's gonna make these other guys better. I think Van Vliet could. Hypothetically speaking. Hypothetically speaking. <laughs> Like a player like that, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like who might be willing to go to a team like the Knicks, not take like a max deal. No, he would get a max. But, you know, kind of want to. Okay, he yeah, would get just 500 to come here. That would be how. That was the only way we would get Fred VanVleet. It's a lot of money. Okay, that's that very, be, that, that's a lot of money. Yeah, that's a lot of money. You know you what? Know? I'm I'm again. I'm okay with doing that. I'm also okay with even trading for Chris Paul. If it means like us taking getting one of those two or three of those first round picks, that they actually, 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 you know, yeah, like good I idea. Know, I kind of laughed at that. I kind of laughed at that. But like, look, look what he was doing on the Thunder. I know, I know he's got like a dope team around him. Thunder are tight. They're so fun to watch. Shy is ridiculous. But like, everyone thought Chris Paul was going to just die there. Like he was sent there to die. Like he was like, yeah, a, he was like a castaway. That's the and next now, trade. Now they're Vince. fucking bowling. They're like, the, where do they end? Like the fifth seed, fourth seed or something like that? They're high up. But no, I mean, I like the idea of if you can get a pick back to take him, I think it makes a lot of sense. But I don't see the Thunder coming off a five or six seed saying, hey, this guy has been an all-star this year. We're going to give you a first round pick to take him. I I don't see it. I don't you see it. Yeah. Stevie, we've, but we've spoken about this before though, right? Like, who knows how the coronavirus will impact the salary cap, and they're going to have a lower salary cap. That means they're going to have to make a lot of tough decisions with some players, including Gallinari. And so the easiest Band-Aid really is to trade him away. And right now, their biggest asset is is those first-round picks. And, like, 
you have a team like the Knicks, who not only could use a point guard, like they could definitely use one of those first round picks and definitely have enough, you know, cap space to to inherit something like that. It would make a lot of sense. And you add that with the possibility of us drafting a point guard. I love that scenario playing out, honestly. I mean, if, again, if you can get a pick back to take Chris Paul, I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't see it. I think there's better chance that Oklahoma City, if the cap does go down, says, all right, we're not going to re-sign Gallinari. We're just going to let him walk. You know, I don't think they're going to dump assets to make their team worse. Is he about to be a free agent? Yes. Yeah. And they traded him the Heat. They traded him. They traded to the they traded him to the Heat, and the Heat couldn't work on a contract extension. Oh, yeah, that's right. So they already shown they're willing to do that. So I think that's the most likely scenario for them. I like the idea of, of Chris Paul, who is making I think forty four million dollars next year and forty five the year after. I mean, it's like the most expensive contract in the sport. But that's wild. And he's thirty. And that's why he got. And that's why he got traded. <laughs> and Scottie Pippen only made eighteen million. In seven yeah, years. shout out to Scotty. Damn. <laughs> uh, Scotty. So let's let's talk about the Nets real quick. Who do you think they should hire for their head coach? Give us a name. Who's your not guy? Ty, not Ty Lue. Not Ty Lue. If it's got to be Ty Lue, I'm joking. If it's got to be Ty Lue, fine. Whatever. Sure. Um, so as long as it's not uh, <laughs> um, or, or Thibs. I don't know about Thibodeau. I don't know about that. Um, I'm sad uh, they got rid of Kenny Atkinson because I thought he was great. We... Sorry. <laughs> Tell you different. Give us a few minutes, Stevie. Um, so, so do you? So you think that Ty Lue could get this team from, you know, basically a team that's in in the sinker right now? I know Kyrie and Kevin Durant are injured to a top-tier contender in the NBA? I don't think about walking with KD and Kyrie, not upset them, not try to do too much. Um, kind of like what he did <laughs> with the Cavs. They got David Blatt out of there. He came in, didn't do too much, and y'all saw what happened with that. But, that's, true. Um, that's true. It's so, just going to be a yeah. guy who Kyrie and Durant tolerate. That's really what it's going to be. A guy who they don't think is going to step on their toes and let them do whatever they want. So that might be Ty Lu. I don't think Mark Jackson's a guy who's going to let them sit around and do whatever they want. But I think it's going to be some kind of veteran coach who they feel comfortable with. I'm going to throw a name out there who I think would fit that role of, you know, just someone who kind of can give guidance but not take too much of the spotlight and let the players roll. I think Kenny Smith would be a great fit for that team. Like, why? I don't think you really need a veteran coach for these guys. I think you just need someone who gets along with them, as you said. And Kenny Smith, who has studied the league, you know, front and center as a as an analyst for TNT for years. I think he knows the trick of the trade, like just just by knowing how these things work. You know, that's just my suggestion. You you don't yes. think they would need a, a a veteran guy who's been around the bush and handled star power before? I mean, you look at it with like the last time the Nets were in a position to win. Garnett, Pierce, Darren Williams. They hired Jason Kidd, 
a couple months out of his playing career, and that didn't work. Right. But that was Jason Kidd, and look at look at him now. He's now an assistant with the Lakers, and he would presumably take the head coaching role once Frank Vogel messes up. So, like, I don't know if that's the best example. I just yeah, think that, that Vogel's, Vogel's nice. Vogel's good. I like Vogel. I like, he, I like Vogel. He, he is good, but, you know, they put Jason Kidd there for a reason. Remember what Jason Kidd with the do – do you remember what Jason Kidd did with the Bucks? Oh, the soda? What? Wasn't wasn't playing Giannis, and uh, Jared Dudley had to like beg him to play Giannis. He was like, "Look, he's better than me. I'm not playing any more minutes. I'm taking myself out of the game. Play Giannis." And just goes like, "All right." I know Dudley and Kidd are both makers. <laughs> how about Look that? How things work? Um, yeah, guys. So then, I think, yeah. So I think in addition to that, like, you know, the Nets have a lot more issues with the roster too. Like they have to make decisions with Joe Harris. They have to make decisions with Spencer Dinwiddie as well. Um, you know, that team has a lot, a lot of things to do right now. And what are you going to do with um, Jared Allen? You know, you're going to trade him. You have, you have Deandre Jordan and Jared Allen. Like it seems like overkill to me. I think they're going to try to take Dinwiddie, Lavert, Allen, like two of those three and try to trade them for an upgrade. I don't know. I don't think that's enough to get you Brad Beal. Don't say that. But I, I think that's what they're going to I mean, the writing's on the wall. You already have Kyrie going out and saying, we need more help. We need more talent. You know, doesn't mention, you know, Jared Allen by name. Jared it's, Allen. it's uh, look, I just think that's what they're going to try to do. They're going to do whatever Durant and Irving want. When you sign these two guys, you kind of put the franchise in their hands. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's what the path I think they'll take. You know what they need more than a good coach? They need Kyrie to chill. That's it. And to play. They need him to chill. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're pretty good when he doesn't play. <laughs> but with yeah. Durant there, for both playing uh, in the East, I think if they just get a coach that those guys respect, that's, that's really all they need. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, all right, guys. So let's head over to our final thoughts. Um, the Liberty made a, a, you know, they picked them. They picked number one in the draft. They they picked a superstar in Sabrina Ionescu, um, who many people think will be a transcendent talent in the WNBA. Um, Justin, I know you've been following the, the women's college basketball and WNBA. What do you feel she brings to Liberty? Sabrina is a triple double queen. Uh, I, like I said earlier, I think she's going to put New York basketball back on the map. No shade to the no shade to the Nets. Um, they're obviously like on a serious rebuild right now. Uh, they went and got Kylie Shook because they traded Tina Charles, so that's going to be a big void to fill. But I think uh, she makes she makes the Liberty a legit playoff team. I think they're going to be good in the next few years. They just gotta figure out what kind of fours, what what center they're playing. Um, but Kylie Shook is pretty great too. She was a leading shot blocker in the ACC last year. Big oh, presence wow. in the paint. Okay. Um, I think they're gonna be good. I'm looking forward to seeing them, seeing them play at Barclays whenever the season comes back. Um, thank God the go. Westchester thing is over. I'm gonna go join you for one of those games. Um, like. Admittedly, like I, I wish I was more 
you know, intact with, like, I'm barely into men's ba- college basketball. Um, I wish I got to see Sabrina play a little bit more, uh, but I'm so down to go see one of the Liberty games now, especially in Barclays. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you foresee the Liberty being much better than they were last year? They were the worst team last year, right? They were terrible. <laughs> they were so bad. We, we went, me and my girlfriend went to see them play the Aces in Westchester last year. I think they lost by like 25 points. Liz Cambage and, um, Liz, Liz Cambage and Asia Wilson scored like 15, 20 each. They, they just went off. They're, they were like they looked unstoppable, so I think you know you're getting the best women's college basketball player in recent memory. So she's gonna make them a legit team. Yeah, I want to get one of those jerseys. Um, well, and then light green or the black one? The black one. The black ones. The black ones. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so then moving on to our final topic. Um, so you know there are a lot of ideas being tossed around in terms of you know, when the NBA actually reopens, um, how they will finish out the, this rest of the season if it's, you know, before September. Um, I know you had some ideas about it. I know you had some ideas about it too, Steve. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, Justin? I think, uh, you know, they're going to come back, just take the standings that they have now and, you know, go straight to the playoffs, maybe do like a play-in game. No, no, uh, fans in the stadium obviously um you know everyone's health is the utmost importance as uh dr anthony fauci says uh hopefully they could just find somewhere whether it be you know vegas or florida um where i think wrestling is legal now or something like that but um yeah i think they just do like a playoff game or a play-in game go straight to the playoffs got to be a seven game series i need the seven games but um i think that's the way to do it um just so it doesn't cut too much into the off season i know the owners won't be happy about that because you know they're all about their bread they're all about their money they mm-hmm. want people in the stands that they, they don't want to lose that revenue revenue from all those games but that's the path i see forward right now i think they're gonna try to play some regular season i think i forget what the actual number is but i think they require 65 or 70 games on television for each of these like television contracts per team so it's like they're so close to that number that i think they're going to try to play five or six actual games because if not i think you would have heard by now hey we're going to try to just do playoffs we're going to try to just do play-ins because then you know literally half the league can shut it down you know they would i think they would have told them hey by the way we're thinking about doing this instead, but it's so early. We don't know. Um, I hope they come back in some way. I mean, it would be nice to get our fantasy season finished with and see if we can get, you know, five or six or seven regular season games and get a champion there. I think it would be good for the salary cap as well to, you know, kind of almost finish the season. And I also think there's a very good chance that the next season starts around Christmas. I think, you know, you already heard that around. Adam Silver said he's open to that idea. It would mean basketball going forward is competing with baseball and not football for ratings. And I think they prefer to do that as well. Um, so if they wind up playing six or seven regular season games, that's half, as well as the full playoffs. You know, let's say they start that July 1, they'd be done. 
you know, near the end of August, and then they start up four months later. It's basically the same offseason. So I think that's the way they would like to play it. But let's see how the health of the nation, you know, takes over, because that's going to be what decides this. Hypothetically, sorry, hypothetically, if if it starts later on, then the other thing to look at is how it's going to affect the Olympics, right? Because a lot of the best players that you eventually take the Olympics are probably going to be in the playoffs around, what, June, July, if that's when playoffs are supposed to start. And so you're probably not going to be able to bring some of those top tier players, right? Like, imagine playing, you know, a shortened off season, then a full season, maybe some playoffs, and then going to Tokyo. I, it's going to be hard. It's hard for me to visualize personally. I think it's going to change the USA team in Olympics dramatically. But I think at the end of the day, the NBA owners don't care. I don't think Adam Silver really cares. And I don't know how much the players really care either. I mean, I'm obviously I, a lot of them want to defend the country, but at the same time, you know, if this is the only way you get a full season in, I think they're going to be open to it. I think what we're going to see is going to be that those, the players that we pick for the rookie games are going to be the ones that eventually get to go because Likely their team is in the playoffs. And Harrison Barnes. You're going to get him in there somehow. Do you think the season might get saved now? Sure. I think it's 50-50. I think it's 50-50. And I think they're if they do save the season, they're going to try to play as much of it as they can. You know, yeah. they don't want to give up these regular season games, even though more or less the playoffs are more or less set in the East. And I think... Memphis was up three or four games on the next closest team as well. So um, I would I would think they're not going to need the regular season, but I think they're going to try to play it. Yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful too. I mean, you know, me and Justin, we, we cover the news in, in our day side jobs. Um, and it just seems like there's more optimism growing, but it's like cautious optimism. Um, I think it's going to be very telling this next month what's going to happen like I, I think it's so easy to sorry i think it's easier to put you know these nba guys in a bubble for six weeks and say hey when you're eliminated you can go then say for you know major league baseball and say hey you guys are in this bubble for six months you know i think like yeah. these guys are willing to put their lives on hold for a few weeks for a championship yeah not competing for that championship anymore, then they just go home. So I think it's not something that's going to have the players revolt. Whereas in baseball, I've heard it could. Yeah. So you guys, you guys want that uh, next horse horse challenge to come out? Oh my god, that was terrible. That was so yeah. bad. I mean, Justin, I I really Motorola flip phone. It was terrible. I really, I commend them for trying, but me too. I really wanted it to work it out, bad. but quite frankly, the, the connection issues, like, it just, you know, it didn't have this, it doesn't have the same production value that we're used to when we're watching sports, and I feel like we're used to a standard that, like, this just wasn't good enough, and the, the combat, maybe even the characters weren't good enough either, like, I feel like it would have been different if we had, you know, LeBron James, Carmelo, or, like, Dwayne Wade involved, as opposed to Chauncey Billups, Trey Young shooting on the cobblestone. Exactly. I don't think insane. it really makes a difference. I mean, if we couldn't, it does though. I feel because like, like these... either way, you couldn't really see who was doing what. You had to be. They were basically they couldn't see each other either. So they're trying to explain their shots. It was slow moving. You know, you couldn't really see what was going on. It was it was unwatchable. 
And I think if you put LeBron and Carmelo in it, I think it just would have created a bigger audience to be upset. Uh, <laughs> maybe. I would have squeezed any joy out of that as, as much joy yeah. as possible. But, uh, that's going to do it here on All Hoops. Justin, thank you so much for joining us here. Chris, as always, it's been a great time. As always, I love talking basketball with you guys. I'm so excited for the Knicks to potentially throw a max offer at Fred Van Vliet this summer. We will wait and see on that. But that's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week to talk more Jordan Doc and whatever is going on in the NBA world. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you.